one of the biggest things that I had to figure out was to make sure that this is all organized, that there's no ways for anybody to steal money. There's no way that records get mixed up. There's no way that there's no checks and balances in place that like everything had to be perfect. Like when you're dealing with this many units, this, this much money, this many people, you can't mess up that often. Like there will be hiccups here and there, but you have to have a very good system in place where you can access wherever. You also don't want to not have access to your thing. You want to be able to access it whenever. So yeah, that's where it came apart where I was like, I'm going to put together a good team. I put together a team and it's been great. It was a lot of work, a lot, a lot of work in the beginning, but now we kind of got it running like a well-oiled machine and it's running pretty well now. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And thanks for spreading the word about the show. We're trying to help people figure it out. And today on the show, we have a 23-year-old who started two companies, Philip Matic of 634 Properties and Matic Custom Creations. Got 30 to 40 employees, including subcontractors. He's going to talk about the process to start a company, a day in his life, and the power of taking care of you. Don't be a yes man, but do spread the word. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Philip Maddock, you've been pretty busy since you got out of school at the start of COVID, starting these companies, getting all these employees working. I really appreciate you making time to come on the Edge of Excellence today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to being on here and uh, talking with you about everything. Right on. Well, we've got a lot to talk about because uh, a lot of times I'll have people on the show that are in their 50s. Sometimes I'll have people on the show in their 40s. I have a lot of people on the show in their 30s. But every once in a while, there's someone in their 20s that's already doing stuff that people in their 50s haven't even done yet. So we got a lot of stuff to talk to Philip about today, but we're going to start off the way we always start off. Philip, what is your definition of excellence? I think my definition of excellence is, uh, you know, being the happiest you can be and loving what you do. If you can, you know, manage those two things, then uh, uh, I think you're pretty successful in what you do. And I think that's pretty excellent. Okay. I don't know that I've heard the happiness brought in, um, at least recently. We've done a lot of episodes, uh, but I love that. I just bought my my daughter and our kind of daughter, uh, The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama, to have them read it. Because it's hard to be happy nowadays. Yeah. You're in your 20s. Your generation has quite a bit that they're going up against to stay happy. You've got Instagram telling you everybody's doing having a better life. You know exactly what's going on that's joyful in everyone's life. Nobody talks about the horrible stuff. So it's hard to stay happy. You're bringing happiness into your definition of excellence, loving what you do, being happy. I was thinking about that the other day. It's finding your passion, right? It's not getting a job. It's finding your passion and creating a job out of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you got to take into consideration when you're starting your life 
Um, you know, originally when I started going to school, I thought I was going to be a computer programmer. And I did that since sixth grade all the way through a portion of college. And um, there just comes a point when you, you know, you got to think in your future and you got to see like, hey, is this going to be me? Am I going to be able to do this for a long time? Where can I branch out from here? And, you know, there's just sacrifices you got to make. You know, it's going to be hard coming to that realization with yourself that what you're doing isn't actually what makes you happy, even though it, you know, that's what you've told yourself this whole time. And you just got to, you know, see what actually makes you happy. You know, happiness is really important, I think. And you're young. So if you're listening right now and you don't like what you're doing, you've got time to change. If you're listening right now and you don't know what you want to do for a living yet, that's okay. You've got time to figure it out. But the point is that Philip tried a few things, found out it's as important to find out what you don't like as it is to find out what you do like. And it may take a decade. Some people it takes them till they're 30 or 40 to figure it out. But I love that definition. Let's get into figuring out your path and how you found your passion. Before University of uh, Wisconsin at Milwaukee, wh where did you go to high school and what was life like for you in high school? Uh, I went to uh, Tremper High School in Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's on the south side, um, kind of close to the Illinois border. Um, I went there uh, at that time, actually. So I've done like every job under the sun, pretty much. At that time, uh, I was uh, still, you know, trying to be a computer programmer, but I was also really interested in being a mechanic as well. So I was, you know, working on cars, building things with wood because I always liked carpentry and doing computer stuff. So I was taking online classes to become um, uh, more knowledgeable in the field of computers with programming and all that stuff. So, yeah, that's what I did throughout high school. So you're in high school, you're taking your classes Were you getting pretty good grades, not good grades. What were grades like? Uh, no, they weren't the best at all. Um, you know, I was, I'd say average, maybe. Okay, so, so you're getting average grades and this is important. You know, some people are playing sports. They think they're going to be the next Michael Jordan. Maybe you will. Maybe you're maybe you won't. Some people are getting really good grades. They're going to go to Harvard and launch this academic career. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. You get older. Your passions change. I mean, you went from computer programming to having these uh, property management and construction companies. Maybe it changes. Maybe it doesn't. But we're you're, you're building backup plans. So were you actively building a backup plan? You like you got computer programming. You're looking at mechanics. You're looking at woodworking. Were you thinking, I better have a couple pass in case something goes wrong? Or were you just doing what you like to do? Uh, at that time, I was just, honestly, I thought I was going to be a computer programmer 100%. There was pretty much no doubt in my mind. That stuff that I was doing, like working on cars, working with um, wood and stuff like that, that's just stuff I like to do. Um, it was just something that made me really happy and I enjoyed doing it, especially the carpentry part of it. And um, so I, I just worked on that and it wasn't like something I consistently did, but it was something I did often enough to where I knew that I'd want some sort of involvement in it in the future, probably. OK, so some people might be studying medicine and really like tinkering with computers and 20 years from now find out that they're the next Bill Gates. Some people might be studying engineering and they really love gardening. And next thing you know, they're in the ag business. So you can find your, your business, you can find your career, you can find your job by looking at your hobbies and what you like and seeing if you can pair that. But point is, you were going down a path. So you're in high school, you're going down this computer programming path. Then you go to UW-Milwaukee. Did you enter UW-Milwaukee to study uh, computer science? 
No, actually, so interesting. What happened is I uh, didn't go to college for my first um, semester. And my parents were like, hey, like, you need to, you know, go to college or get a job. Like, you got to do one of the two. And so what I did is I went to, uh, so I, back in high school, actually, I had um, a credit card that they gave me, which was like a gas card that I could use for gas. And then I had my own personal money. So when when uh, when I got out of high school, they were like, you need to give us back that credit card and get a job and or go to college, like one of the two. Um, so I decided to do both so that I could go to college and um, have my own stuff. And I didn't want any involvement in that end. And um, I, I took on so many jobs. I was working. Um, I was working security for Best Buy, security for a bar. And I was working for this company called assemblers so we worked with like home depot and like all these sort of franchises where we would go and we would build their uh, product for them like the display items and stuff like that okay so you are you took a gap semester you went to college and while you're on your gap semester you got a job and you realize hey i like this money thing i like this self-sufficiency thing i like this independence thing so you kept the job when school started and you did both is that what you're saying yeah, yeah. And so then I went to Gateway Technical College, a community college around here, went there for a year. Then I transferred to UW-Milwaukee, decided I didn't like um, big university. So I went back to community college. Then the year I went back to community college, they actually got rid of my program that I was going for. So then I went back to UW-Milwaukee again. <laughs> so I was going back and forth, back and forth. And um, I ended up staying at UW-Milwaukee. Okay, so you were, and there's a lot of people that listen to this show that may be at this, I call it the pre-life crisis. You don't really know what you want to do. You don't really know what you like. Some people get decision paralysis, so they just don't go do anything. You're going back and forth and trying things until it be figured it worked. So community college, back to UW, back to community college, back to UW. And what was your major uh, that you graduated with while you were working and going to college? Um, I actually didn't end up graduating. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, we get those on this show too. So I do strongly recommend graduating. And I do believe that the world is prejudiced in many different ways. And one of those ways is if you got a piece of paper, it helps. So if you're in college, we know it's hard. Try to finish college because you got another 100 years to live. You might as well finish. But not everybody does and not everybody can. And it's not right for everybody. So after the back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, you decided I'm done with this college thing. So like with the biggest, it was a really hard decision for me, especially because like I'm a first generation um, immigrant. And so, you know, that that come to that realization that college isn't for me and to um, be able to tell that to my parents, um, you know, coming from across seas over here and telling them like, hey, like, I'm not going to college anymore was really like a hard thing to do. So it was, you know, but it, again, it was one of those things that like you got to take account into yourself sometimes and kind of realize, like I said, your happiness level like that going to that made me feel like I wasn't being productive. I wasn't getting the things that I could get done that I know I could get done. And it was just like a hard thing. And I was just like, you know, that's, that's just what I'm going to do. And I'm going to grow the businesses. And ever since I did that, my businesses have been amazing. And I've just been super happy with everything. And I love the way things are going right now. So I wouldn't, I would not change it. And did your parents live in Serbia? You came over by yourself or you all came over together? No, my parents lived in Serbia. They came here. My dad actually came here first, then my mom, and then uh, I was born here. All right. So they're following um, the American dream. You're following the American dream. The American dream looks a certain way to people when they get here. 
And the child dream looks a certain way to parents. And if you're a parent right now, you're killing your kids. Um, and I see it from my own goddaughter. Her parents are just breathing down her neck. She just graduated from college. She doesn't have a job. Yeah, you should probably have that figured out before you get out of college. Yeah, you might want to know what you might or might not want to do when you get out of college, but not everybody does. And mom and dad breathing down your neck all the time. So what I told my goddaughter was, it's your life. And what you told your parents was, it's my life. So you decided college wasn't right for you. I know you're going to call, you're going to high school. You take this gap here. You're doing security. You're doing this assembly, which is back to your woodworking and making things, passions. And then you eventually found College Works. So you did the College Works thing for three years. Did you do College Works while you're at UW uh, Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah. So actually, the funny—it's such a funny story how college. I started College Works. I was actually in uh, anatomy and physiology class, and uh, I found out later that I wasn't even supposed to take that class. My counselor gave me the wrong class. Um, but uh, I was in there, and someone came in and was like, "Hey, you know, you'll you'll make guaranteed uh, X amount of dollars this year." And I was like, okay, I just signed it up, completely forgot about it, like 100%. A couple of weeks later, uh, someone called me and was like, hey, we got your information from blah, blah, blah. Um, I didn't even recognize what he said at the time I was working. And I was like, yeah, like, let's have a call later. And it happened from there. It was like me completely going blind into something. I didn't even know what it was. So, yeah. All right. And are you normally pretty pensive and you think things through and you make your decisions over a long period of time or you're more of a gut reaction, get it done type person? I'm more of a logical thinker. So I kind of think out what's going to happen. Um, but at that time when he called me, he uh, I, I was just busy and I was just like, yeah, let's have a call later. I'll find more information then. OK, OK, cool. So you're in the wrong class at the wrong school um, at the right time. And you do the college works gig and you had uh, you had some of the foundations for success in life. You'd work more than 30 hours a year, uh, a week or more. Uh, you'd worked uh, more than three years. Uh, you uh, did you play sports? I did soccer for a little while. Played sports. I don't know if your grades were above a three but that's one of the ones. And then you're trying to figure out your major. But, you know, that work experience always gets left aside in parents' minds and, and in college minds when people are going to school. Yet it's the number one thing people are looking for out of school and the number one success that we find at college works and in other businesses, you got to have done it before. So you came in here with a lot of experience, some of it independent, right? You're working kind of on your own assembling furniture. You might've been a security guard on your own. So you've got some of this experience that helps and you ended up being a manager. Then you were a vet manager. Then you were a recruiter DM with us. And then after that is when you went and started your own property management company, your own construction company, right? Yeah, so kind of into the around the time that I was being a recruiter is when um, I started taking on 64 properties a little bit more. Um, and so that's around the time I started. But yeah. OK, so let's get into that. So you kind of want to be a computer programmer, but not really. You may want to be a mechanic. You like woodworking. You've got a job kind of putting things together, sort of in the woodworking arena, trying out these different classes. You don't really know what's what you want to do for sure for the rest of your life as you shouldn't. And then like me, you kind of fall into something. So you founded two companies uh, in 2019 when you were about what, 20 years old? 21. 21 years old. You found two companies, 21 years old. Um, one is called 634 Properties Inc. The other one's Matic Custom Creations, uh, which is a general contracting company. 
Walk us through how you started these businesses, why you started these businesses, and how you had the bravery to start those businesses. So 64 Properties was started out of uh, pretty much a necessity. So my uh, my dad had all these properties across the country and uh, not they weren't doing very well. So he was debating on selling a lot of them. And uh, that's kind of when I came in and I was like, you know, like, don't, um, I'll take over everything. I'll get everything going. And uh, that's how we created a property management company where, you know, we could be, I could have my own company and run everything and um, get paid for it and continue that without having to sell all those properties. And uh, that's how that one came about. Uh, MCC, MCC is Matic Custom Creations. That originated uh, originally painting, uh, started that out, and then things started to slowly just kind of turn into more. I had clients that wanted carpentry work done, so we started adding carpentry to our list of services. Then we had clients that wanted the uh, near their roof done, so we added that, and then gutters, so we added that. Then we started doing decks, and we started doing doors and windows, and then all interior stuff. And then, you know, all of a sudden you have a huge list of subs. You're running like three, four, five crews got all these jobs going and it just kind of it takes off without you even knowing it because you're just so used to going into the process and just adding more workload to yourself kind of like how it was in college works so you just kind of you know keep doing your thing you keep grinding you keep going and then before you know it you're doing really well you know so it's just a really good feeling at the end of it okay so your business came out of the people ask me all the time hey how do you start a business and they think oh it's the idea it's not the idea. It's the execution. The ideas are out there all over the place. They just haven't noticed the ideas. So people sit there and they, what is the best idea? You just got to get out there and do something. So you got family properties. It's not being run right. There's a problem. So you start a business. You've got uh, a need in that business. So you start another company and then people keep coming to you with more need. So how do you come up with an idea? You look for a problem to solve. You look for the opportunities around you all the time um, and you keep paying attention to need. And so I'm assuming you sit there and you go, OK, I can go find someone to do this or I can do it myself. What does it take to do it myself? How does it work? And you model it out and kind of design a system and then go try it a couple of times and decide if you want to stay in that business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, you know, a lot of the people that I find, uh, actually, all of the people that I find haven't been me actively searching for someone. It's all been through connections and people I know. So uh, when I needed uh, people to get something done, I'll just be like, oh, I remember I took that guy's number down that one time. Let me see if he'll be able to do this work for me. And you want to make sure that their quality is on par with your standards. So, you know, when they do that product for you or that service, uh, it ends up with the product that you want. So. That's one thing you got to be careful with with that. So there's some devil in the details there. So you got to be a pretty organized person. You got to file things. You got to take notes. So when you're, you're active in your relationships, it seems like you're, you're going around meeting people and you actually maybe write something on their business card. You probably have a place for business cards. You're taking notes on conversations. You're trying to figure out what people do and you're paying more attention actively. Would you say that's a correct assessment? Yeah, definitely. 100%. So you want to be an entrepreneur. You want to start a business when you're 21. You're listening right now. The first step is pay attention. Pay attention to who's around you, what they're talking about, what the opportunities are. Pay attention to what's working, what's not working. And in, in Philip's case, pay attention to what people are saying they want because there may be a need. So you're organized. You've got life notes. 
And then you also have a standard of excellence. So you're not going to refer someone to someone else that sucks. Yeah. You're not going to spread badness around. How did you come up with the standard of excellence? Well, you know, in my time being a contractor, I've noticed, and from personal experience, I've noticed a lot of contractors that just are not good people. Um, not saying that all of them are bad people, obviously, but a good portion of them. Not not like lawyers, because all lawyers are bad people. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Oh, yeah, it's on my own show. I can say whatever I want. If you're a lawyer listening right now, why did you go to law school? <laughs> Something wrong there. Okay, keep going, Philip. Sorry, I'm on a tangent. I got to go bike ride with the lawyer later today, so I have to make fun of him before I start. <laughs> yeah, but um, so I always I always exercise like full transparency through with all my clients, um, from top to bottom, and um, I always make sure that you know we set that standard with them of how things are going to look, and if you set that standard with them and are transparent with them about everything through the whole thing. Uh, through the whole process, you usually end up getting clients that are happy. I haven't had an unhappy one yet. And don't plan to. You haven't had an, uh, You haven't had anyone unhappy at the end of the job, or there's never been a problem. Uh, no, we've had problems happen plenty of times. It's just we've never had an unhappy client at the end of the job. Yeah, that's the key. Mm -hmm. We have lots of clients that get upset. Lot, lots of mistakes we make. A lot of people walk away from their mistake, and that's one thing about bravery. And I know Philip's a brave guy. You've got to be brave enough to face the complaint, face the problem and solve the problem. Everyone's got problems. Everyone makes mistakes. The other guys hide from their mistakes. The strength is facing the music and solving the problem and creating happiness out of unhappiness. Yeah. And you had to do that at College Works a couple of times. I, I bet in the beginning, right? You made some mistakes and had to deal with them. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be mistakes. People are always going to we're human. You know, it's just it's impossible to not make a mistake. And if you can't come to yourself and understand that, hey, I will make a mistake. You know, you're not really going to get anywhere and you're just going to be that guy that no one likes because he thinks he's always right and, you know, can't fess up to his mistakes. It's always better to be 100% truthful throughout the process, even if you mess up, because at least the problem can be addressed and figured out. If you're trying to hide something and just lie about it, and it just keeps stacking up, stacking up, stacking up, and then you can't you know, you, you can't go anywhere because you, you're trying to cover up everything that you did before. So it's always good to be as honest as you can with everything. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast. It's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay, and so... Uh... Uh, by the way, I was thinking I've actually been to Serbia before. Really? Uh, for a very brief period of time while I was in uh, Croatia. Oh, okay, cool. What do you do? Like, um, do you just lay over or something? 
um drove we drove through oh okay believe it or not i i I don't do a whole lot of driving in europe but one day i did and i went through serbia do you often go back to serbia yeah i go i went last year i'm gonna go this year again and so uh did you think that when you were a young person leaving serbia coming to america did you envision yourself at what are you 23 years old now yeah, 23 years old, owning two companies, employing, you know, 30 to 40 people, including your um, subcontractors, employees. Uh, did, did you envision this or is this a surprise? Well, so I was born here. Um, oh, you were born. Yeah, here. I, oh, I born thought here. you said you were a first generation immigrant. You're a first generation American. I thought first generation immigrant was when your parents came here and you're the first generation of kids. Well, I could be wrong, but I thought it was the other way around. But anyway, your parent, your parents and my mother um, immigrated to the U.S. Um, you go back and then see family members. Yeah, I have a lot of friends and family over there. It's it's I'm really excited to see them this year. I've been looking forward to it. All right. So you're excited because you're crushing it or you're excited just to go back? Uh, I'm excited because, you know, it's always nice. Like I was telling them over there when I go over there, it's like I work as hard as I can while I'm in America. And then I go by you guys for like a month or two to relax. <laughs> so, okay, so you're there. There's a lot of stuff there. So my question was really, are you surprised by your success now? Or did you kind of always know this would happen? Um, I wouldn't say I'm, su- I'm surprised that I run, own and run two companies. Yeah. That was never my plan. My main plan was always to go work for Google and, uh, be, you know, work for them. That, that was my main goal. Um, and I kind of knew I'd end up being like some sort of an entrepreneur somehow. Like I always have since I was a kid. My dad tells me that all the time. Like he always thought that I was going to do something like that, something entrepreneurship type. Uh, but I never knew it would be to this extent. No. If you asked me two, three years ago, where do you think you'll be in five years? I would not have been able to tell you. I would have told you a completely different answer. Well, and, and congratulations on the on surprise success. But also that's great for our listeners. You, I mean, I, I wanted to be a lawyer. Other people want to be a doctor. You're not necessarily more often than not going to do what you set out to do when you were 14 years old. You change your mind. You're, you're not even developed at 14. Your behavioral patterns aren't developed. Your motivations aren't developed. Um, your cerebral cortex isn't developed till you're 25. So you kept your options open. You're aiming for the moon, but it's more like we're on Saturn. There's multiple moons. You can divert course and hit a different high, high achievement. So you didn't end up at Google, which would have been great. We've had lots of people that worked with you at CollegeWorks that ended up at Google, um, but you ended up somewhere else that's great. And I, I am going to get into how you started your business and what you do, but I want to get back to, did you just say that at 23 years old, uh, three years into your business, which you started during a pandemic, kudos again, you're taking a month or two off every year and going halfway across the world um, and kind of disconnecting. Is that what you just said? Well, I wouldn't say completely disconnected. When I was over there last year, there were definitely times when I was sitting in the hotel room for two to three days straight working. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I go out there and uh, just enjoy it. Yeah. And, and this is a good thing to think about. Like I'm going to the Middle East on Monday mm-hmm. and I will leave my computer here. I've told everybody that I will have no access to phone uh, calls and to uh, email. I won't check my email because of weird hacking things that go on while I'm there, Uh, but I will check my phone. I just don't tell people that I want to be as far away and as disconnected so everybody can do what they want. and They don't need me around. Uh, What do you do? And a lot of people don't do that. 
They don't go on vacations. They go on workations uh, and they can't relax and they can't let go. And then they have a heart attack at 42 years old because they've been too stressed out all the time. What do you do before you leave? And this applies to anybody with a job that's in a management position. What do you do before you leave to make sure the business keeps running while you're gone? Uh, so what I did last year is I talked to everybody. I told them ahead of time where I'm going to be and to pretty much contact me as least amount as possible. Like I understand they can't go completely cold turkey for two months. That's just not possible, I don't think. Um, but you know, try to not contact me as much. I give them dates when I will be available. And I also set up things down here. So if there is something that uh you know they need to contact me about that's not too urgent, they can contact this person. Um so like when I was doing when I went last year to Serbia and uh there was stuff going on with uh my MCC, my uh, general contracting company, uh I had a couple points of contact for that, which is very good to have. Uh for 634, I also had a couple points of contact for that as well. So it was very like minimal. There was uh like about a week where I worked like a good amount and that was just to me to not have to work a lot during that time. Um, but I was there for two months, so I didn't mind taking like a week to work, uh, like three to four hours a day, maybe five, you know, for that week. All right. So if you're a college works manager and you're running a business for the summer, you want to take a week off, this applies to you. If you're in your twenties and you've got a team and you don't find yourself taking vacations, you're taking workations, this applies to you. The Philip Maddox system is one, communicate with crystal clarity when he's going to be available, where he's going to be available, what type of stuff you can call him about, what type of stuff you can't. Set expectations. Honestly, this goes back to you being brave. Brave enough to face a customer's complaint is brave enough to tell a customer, hey, I'm going to be in Serbia for two months. Be real. Deal with reality before you're on the other side of the world having to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Delegate responsibility responsibly. Philip didn't pick some random person to take his calls. And I, and I didn't even ask this question, but I know you're in property management. You got people calling and their water shut off. You got people calling pissed because they think something's your fault. You need someone responsible, professional. You pick the right person, you train the right person, you communicate their responsibility, and you delegate responsibly. And then I love that last point, your fourth point. Um, plan a, if you're gone for two months, you're probably going to have to get tied into it. Plan days that you can work, or in, in Philip's case, plan a week, and you can start putting things in that week. You're not planning your hikes or your trip to the sea or whatever you're doing when you're on vacation. You're saving a little time. You're probably communicating to your friends in Serbia or wherever you are. Hey, here's what's going to be going on next week. I'm going to check into work for a little bit. That's a great system. For those of you that can't take a vacation, communicate, set expectations, delegate responsibility responsibly, plan a work schedule. We're going to back up here a little, a little bit, Philip, because I forgot to ask you. Back to starting your business. Your family had a need. You think you can do it. Uh, cheaper, faster, better. Um, your businesses have a need. Uh, you think you can solve the need. So you get into these two businesses. So we covered how do you come up with the idea. We covered how you got the confidence because you just have it. And if you're not confident, I'm sure you didn't for sure think you could do it. You just try it, right? But what was the process of starting the business? What did you have to do after the idea and the confidence came? What did you have to do to get the business starting in just a few minutes? So I guess a big thing was like, 
kind of realizing that uh, this is your company and, you know, you have to run it the way you want it. It was actually my, um, I ended up hiring a pro- one of my property managers in Ohio. And um, I remember just in the beginning when I hired her, when I didn't have much experience and she's been doing this for a while. And I remember talking on the phone and something and I asked her a question and I was like, well, do you think we should do that? Like, or like, you know, do you think we should do this? And she, she was like, well, it's your, it's your thing. Like, if you want us to do it, we'll do it. And then at, I'll never forget that conversation because I remember it hitting me and I was like, she's actually right. Like, this is mine. I get to decide where this is going to go and how this is going to happen. You know, and it was like a really big thing. Like, it just opened my field of view to like, when you're looking down a hallway and then you break those hallway door walls down and you just see everything and you're like, whoa, there's so much more uh, to this. I don't have to just ask everyone everything like there are some things where you know i can create the decision because it's my decision <laughs> wow and so uh um you filed all the paperwork you got all the tax file and basically the steps if you're listening you get uh, a bank account you get a business tax id number you register with the state registers office um that you're a company an llc an s corp or a c corp never a sole proprietorship that way you have liability that's not on you and then you develop your model. And so your model was how much is, is how much are we paying now for this service? How much am I going to charge? How do you develop your pricing model? So we never had a property management company take care of it. So originally everything, oh. everything was a sole proprietorship. And my dad did everything by himself. Everything was a mess. It was unorganized. It was, it was a mess. It was so messy. One of the biggest things that I had to figure out was to make sure that this is all organized that there's no ways for anybody to steal money there's no way that records get mixed up there's no way that there's no checks and balances in place that like everything had to be perfect like when you're dealing with this many units this this much money this many people you can't mess up that often like you will be there will be hiccups here and there but you have to have a very good system in place where you can access wherever you also don't want to not have access to your thing you want to be able to access it whenever so yeah that's where it came apart where i was like i'm gonna put together a good team i put together a team of these people and uh it's been great it was a lot of work a lot a lot of work in the beginning but now we kind of got it running like a well-oiled machine and it's running pretty well now okay so you're you're predicting issues and building a system you're identifying needs and building a system. You're finding good people that represent you well, probably building a system. And the whole time, if you're going to do all this, you need to be organized and you need to be disciplined because you could have been playing video games. You could have been drinking beers, but instead you're sitting down and doing the project of what's my system for this issue? What's my system for this need? And you've got to be organized and self-driven to start a business. Anything else I missed? No, that's. That's it. Yeah, you. I mean, the biggest thing in or- is organization. Every single business. I don't care what you do. If you're painting pictures for somebody, or if you're building a building for somebody, like your your organization has to be like on par. You have to have every single transition transaction that goes through be logged. You have to have uh, every single customer, every single like everything like everything has to be because at the end of the year when you do your taxes and you go down to do all that you're not scrambling for everything all you got to do is run a report and you have everything it's so much easier so it's uh it's way better that way 
now that you're in business and you've been in business for a while, are you doing things differently or are you still focus on organization, focus on systems, focus on predicting issues and needs? Yeah. So now that we have that whole like thing down, um, we're looking to expand more. Um, we've been looking at uh, selling off properties and buying some uh, property somewhere else. But yeah, it's it's a different shift for sure from going to uh, getting everything going and then now expanding. Now it's expanding. Is, is the process the same though? Expand with systems, expand with the right people, expand into areas of need? Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything that, you know, there's obviously tweaks that you do here and there, but um, yeah, everything should stay the same. In terms of the people, I mean, you got to find people that are loyal, people that you trust and they trust you. And you have to be completely honest with them through the whole thing. But what's a daily life? What's a day in the life like for uh, for Philip Maddock? What's a what's a day in the life like for someone running a business like this? Uh, so what usually happens is uh, the night before, actually, I create a list of everything that needs to get done for the next day. So in the morning, did you learn that from college works for me pounding that over and over <laughs> and over in my time management doc? Yeah, actually, that was one of the biggest things that uh, I took away from that was creating a list. Um, I remember my district manager, Keith Liebel, was uh, telling me to always create a list. So, uh, yeah, so I, I create a list the, the night before. The night before. And you put it into time slots because a list isn't the same as plugging it into time yep. slots. All right. Yep. And uh, so then in the morning when you wake up, you're not like, you know, what did I forget? Like, So you have it all done on paper because at the end of the night, you're always thinking about that. And then in the morning, you know, I just go execute those things. Um, it varies every single day. If I need to go do a house inspection or if I need to go check on material, um, if I need to go address a tenant's issue, if I need to sit in for a meeting, if I need to make a call, you know, there's I, I even set up I have a shop in Milwaukee because most of my business is in Milwaukee. So I have a little uh, office in there. So if I'm in Milwaukee and I need to go to the office, I just go to my shop instead of coming all the way back down to Kenosha and going to this office. Uh, I can just stop in my shop. I have a computer, I have a printer, I have paper, uh, webcam, everything. Um, so I'm very mobile. I'm able to pivot very easily. I'm able to take on those kind of things. So, uh, yeah. All right. So if you're listening right now, we do have an episode on time management. It's one of the first, I don't know, 10, 15 episodes. Also, if you want to get the Edge of Excellence bundle, you can get it off our website. There's a white paper on time management. Uh, the key, one of the keys, there's many keys. But one of the keys is do it the night before. And as Philip said, so you don't wake up in the morning or worse, wake up in the middle of the night wondering what you forgot, wondering what you're supposed to be doing. And you heard him say it here, probably not first, but you heard him say it here. He makes his plan the night before and then he wakes up in the morning and just follows the plan. So you got suppliers, you've got customers, you've got employees, you've got finance, you've got what's coming next. And you sit at night, and you think about which of those things am I doing tomorrow? Which am I doing next week? You're constantly kind of building your two-week plan and then every night honing it down to tomorrow and you just disciplined execution of the plan. Yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest takeaways I've learned from doing that is you'll honestly, like you end up sleeping better at night. Like when before bed, when you do that and you write everything down and you know it's on paper and you don't have to worry about it, you end up sleeping better. So if you're struggling with sleep and you run a company or you're doing college works, uh, that's definitely one of the things that you need to be doing is writing your thoughts and everything down on paper so you don't forget it. You're bringing a tear to my eye because I've done that talk probably literally 500 times. And we do have it on video, too. If you want to go to YouTube, you can look at the College Works channel. There's an hour-long version. It's the most popular talk that we do. Uh, time management seems to be something that people aren't taught in their teens anymore. And if you don't figure it out, you don't get to be Philip Maddox.
So figure it out. We'll help you out with that. So, uh, Philip, you uh, probably face quite a few problems, either in college works as a business person, uh, doing the internship, being a vet manager, being a recruiter or in your own company. What's one of your biggest struggles that you've had that you had to get through and what did you learn from it? Biggest struggles. I would definitely say the organization part of it. And that's why I stress it so much because I was really bad at it. And now that, you know, when I started doing um, 634 at MCC, that was one of the first things I implemented was organization. I didn't implement anything else. I wanted to get the base down for it. So we came up with a whole accounting structure. I found a cloud-based system that allows us to be organized. We have systems and checks and balances in place. It's just organization is the biggest thing. And that's what I struggled with the most, especially when I first started CollegeWorks. Actually, I was uh, not that organized. And um, it's just something you have to end up doing to be able to get where you want to go because it's, I think it's the most important part is organization. So now one of your biggest strengths, now one of the kind of the keys to your success is your planning, your organization, your communication. No way you could go to Serbia uh, without doing that. You started off like maybe somebody that didn't have that skill, like other people listening to this uh, podcast right now, and you figured it out and became skilled. Probably took you less than a month. No, it took. Oh, uh, well, what do you mean? But what to-, to become organized, to get your planning system down. Well, I mean, we figured out what we were going to do, but to implement everything and to get everything going, it took way more than a month um, to get everything go seamless across the five different states and to get. Um, no, no, no. I, I didn't mean to get your business going. I meant just to get organized. Oh, yeah. To go from a disorganized person that sucks at time management, doesn't use a calendar, forgets things, flakes out to never flaking out, never forgetting, always being on time, always getting things done. I find it takes, you know, two weeks, a month, and you're just done with the problem and you're successful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, cool. So uh, now you're running your business and you already mentioned something, but I got one last question for you. When you look back at at your life and you think about all the things that you sacrificed to kind of get where you are today and you think back, wow, I am so glad I made that sacrifice. What is that sacrifice that you'd go back in time and tell yourself to make again and again and again? The biggest sacrifice I would definitely agree with is to worry about yourself. Um, I'm, I tend to be a pretty like selfless person and giving up that was really hard. Uh, you, you just have to worry about yourself and where you're going to go because in five or 10 years, those people that you're talking to and those fr- friends that you think you have and all that stuff, like that, that tends to disappear. And no matter how much someone says they're your best friend and they're going to do this for you and they're going to help you with this and they'll be there for you for whatever and all sorts of things people say, uh, you have to remember that like you're you and you're going to be with you till the end, no matter what. You know, they say you live alone, you die alone. And uh, those are just like you got to remember that you're you're in it for you. And you also got to think about your future family, if that's what you wish to have. Um, how you're going to be able to provide for them and be with them. So sacrificing other people's worries and uh, not being able to go with your buddy to the bar at a certain time or being able to go help this one guy lift something somewhere. Like you can't always be the yes man. You have to learn how to say no sometimes. And that's something I always struggled with was not telling everyone yes, is being able to stick up for yourself and kind of tell people no sometimes. 
That's a that's a really cool answer to that question. You are you. You will be with you. Take care of you. Philip Maddock, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy business at such a young age to share your wisdom with the future Philip Maddox of the world. Thank you so much for coming on the Edge of Excellence today. I appreciate you, Matt. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.